Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Modern Love Radio. We have an exciting show tonight. I am so delighted to welcome our special guest, Boone Cutler, to the show tonight. And Boone is going to talk about Wounded Warrior to healing light. And we're talking about a true luminary in the world of veterans affairs. Boone is an author who's become the first, very first, nationally recognized on-air personality who's also a war fighter from the current war. Let me tell you just a little bit more about him before I introduce him to you. Boone approached a Fox News radio outlet with the concept of a new show to focus on national and international events from the perspective of veterans. Now, that's a big deal for all of us because we hardly ever get to hear how the world looks through a veteran's eyes. So welcome to the show, Boone Cutler. Thank you so much, Doc. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, gee, I'm supposed to be a pro, and you got me all nervous here. Aw, come on. I doubt that. You're a man who's fought wars and done so many incredible things in your life, and it's an honor to have you. And first and foremost, Boone, let me say thank you for your service to our country. It's really just wonderful to acknowledge you and all of our veterans. Well, thanks a lot, Doc, and I'd like to take the opportunity to say thank you for your support. And to all of our warfighters out there, that's the that's the proper response. When somebody says, uh, thank you for your service, say thanks for your support. That way we encourage them to continue to do that, and we get the dialogue between warfighters and non-warfighters happening. So thanks for the opportunity, Doc. You bet. Now, when you started out, Boone, with your radio show, what did you really want people to take away? What is most important to you? Oh, boy, you got, you got me between a rock and a hard place. But I'll tell you, you're, you, you'll, you might be surprised by the answer, but... Uh, when I first got the radio show and I, I had a I had, a, had approached the radio station, I was traveling around the country trying to sell my book. I wrote a book called Voodoo and Solder City. And I kind of got used to doing the, the radio shows by phone and whatnot. And this was the first place that I had actually been in a studio and to, to do the interview. So we did the interview. We got done with it. And the guy said, hey, you're really good at this. And I don't know what happened. I just said, uh, okay, well, then give me a show. 
And he was like, what? I said, he told me to come back. And so I sat down with him on a later date, and I told him all these things and the numbers, the metrics as far as veterans. You know, I mean, we've been coming back at a rate of a million uh, over the last year, year and a half. Uh, we a have million veterans coming back fast, a lot of vets. It's a lot. And, and we're hitting the streets, and we, we, have all, we have a perspective. We have a... We have a way we think. We've been shaped by the experiences around us, which is very unique to the rest of America. Yes, it's, it is. Um, uh, look at the top-rated, uh, the top-rated video game. It's a, it's a show about war. You know, look right. at the top-grossing shows in Hollywood. They're shows about war. Right. And right. It's, uh, I, I think people are very interested in us, but they don't know the questions to ask to get the information they want. So I wanted to step forward and say, hey, I'll have this discussion with you. Let's have the discussion. What is it yeah, like to be a warfighter? Yeah, and one of the important things that I know you're discussing, and I want people to really be aware of this, Boone, is that on any given night, we have 130,000 to 200,000 veterans on the street who are homeless. And one of the things I was very interested in talking with you about is understanding how that happens because a lot of people do not understand what it means to come back from a war and how you can end up on the street. A lot of people say things. I've heard it many times. I just got off the phone with a friend of mine who's a veteran who came back, and she was talking about her experience and people not being able to understand what it's like to be reintegrated into society. So talk about that a little bit, would you, that cascade of coming back from the war and how do we have our veterans end up on the street? Well, I'm going to go into this, but the one thing you said uh, at the the tail end of that, you were talking about being reintegrated, reintegrated into the world or or what they say transitioning. I don't believe there is any such thing. I think you're you're a warfighter for life. That's how you are. And so try not to fake the funk. Be that. The problem is we have to teach America what that is so they're not afraid of it anymore. And if I work back to front, I would say that the total cause, and I'll explain it, um, it has to do with, one, the warfighter coming back. But on the onus of America, the American populace, right now the issue is PTSD phobia. The phobia of someone who is a combat veteran that may have post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. It's not a psychotic break. People think it's a psychotic break. That's not what it is. It's an anxiety right, it's disorder. not at all. Yeah, it's not yeah. at all. It's the changes in the brain because of the exposure to events that are traumatic. And let me just say this. There isn't anybody who hasn't been exposed to trauma. So those people who think they haven't experienced trauma or you can't understand veterans, just think about the trauma in your own life. And then we just want to multiply that to maybe the 10th power. And you have some taste of what our veterans have been through. Am I on base here at all, Boone? Uh, I, I think you are on base, and the thing I would add to that is understand that you can't understand. You don't know what this trauma is, even if you've had your own. And we don't know what yours is like either. We really don't know. So the common denominator is that we are affected to trauma, but don't judge me for how I'm affected, and I won't judge you for how you're affected. You're right, because everybody does have a different response. But the brain gets the last word, and I better confess to you now, Boone, I don't think you know this about me. I'm the world's biggest neuroscience geek, so I am always <laughs> looking at the research on what happens in the brain, and there's some new research that is very important to us as we're talking about 
our veterans, which is that uh, this study came out of Israel looking at people whose brains had been changed by the trauma of surviving the Holocaust. The first generation has brain changes, the second, the third, the fourth, all the way to the fifth generation, the identical changes in the brain because of trauma. So the brain chemistry, everything in the brain, processing all of that changes, and it can be passed through the generations. So we need to help our veterans now because we don't want PTS to move through the, the generations, and it has moved through them. No, I, I think it. Uh, I think it will continue to move it. But how do we? How do we help? What is help? How do we define that? Talk to us. And, talk to us. It, how do we help? It's understanding. It's understanding the facts, like you just said, and understanding that there are so many, so many misnomers out there. There were a lot of bad Hollywood movies between 1965 and and uh, well, continuing actually. But there were a lot of bad Hollywood movies that threw a lot of stigma. Uh, on the American warfighter, on post-traumatic, you know, the whole concept of crazy vet, people learn that from Hollywood, and it's, mm-hmm. it's amplified. It's been part of their training, and that's not the right training. I mean, you shouldn't believe that any more than you should believe there is an alien coming down here, and they've got big dreadlocks and live in a swamp, okay? It's it's about as, both are equally as real or as, as honest or truthful. That's just not reality. So the first thing we have to do is, we have to understand each other. We have to, you have to listen to us. And as part of my community, our responsibility is we have to tell the story of us in a way others can understand it. Right, because right now we're losing at least 23 war fighters, and you say war fighters rather than veterans. I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. But we lose at least 23 a day to suicide. That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable, and those those numbers are 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 lower than the actual number, and I can quantify that. Not ev- those numbers were got were received by raw data from the Veterans Administration's hospitals across the country, but um, the majority of the hospitals did not reply. A large number did not reply. I think it's not the majority. I think it's more like eight or nine. One of which was in Los Angeles that has the largest uh, veteran population in the country. So Mm -hmm. the number you're talking about is 23 a day, which is huge. That's over 8,000 a year. Right. Um, And that's one person per hour. Yeah, every 63 minutes, I think. And that's the lowest number possible because it doesn't – that's only the suicides that go through the Veterans Administration Hospital. If I hang myself in my garage in in San Bernardino, California, and Santa Bernardino County sheriffs come out, they you know they cut me down. The coroner slices me, dices me, they throw me in the ground. It never went through the VA, so that number did not get counted as a suicide. Oh, too bad. So you're saying the number is even greater. So understanding and not buying into stigma and the Hollywood crazy that stigma is one thing we can do. And what else can we do? And Boone, why the term warfighter as opposed to veteran? Well, that's part of the helping process because mm-hmm. today's, as people call them veteran, you can be a veteran of anything. You can be a veteran baseball player. You can mm-hmm. be a uh, a veteran doctor. You can be, you know, mm-hmm. people use the term veteran uh, as an adjective, not so much as a noun. It's it's something to describe something. And uh, I hope I got that right. I'm going to Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. You're okay. Good. 
So <laughs> we, you can you can throw better and honest, but that's not specific either. That's not really up. I get it. Most. So warfighter really describes what people have been doing, and it well, also that, captures yeah. the the grim term of war. Now, this is modern love, Radio Boone. What about relationships and family members dealing with a loved one who has come home from the wars? Rules don't. The rules don't change. The rules are the same, and that is. Uh, the civilian populace needs to listen to us, not, you know, crazy movies in Hollywood. And the warfighter community, we need to communicate better. And that's really not going to happen until we learn to communicate, and that's where the love is. Okay? So I found the love for you, Doc. I found the love. The, the places I'm, we glad. Have... I'm always looking for the love. Thank <laughs> you. No, I, I agree with you. I'm a big fan of love. The, uh, the warfighter community has to learn to communicate themselves better in a, I mean, let's throw the word on there, a more loving way, not in an angry way. And you asked about how I got started. I got started uh, as a very, very, I just wanted to get on the radio and scream at people. I was Mm -hmm. so angry. I was so angry. And then after I got the anger out, I learned how to talk better. And I learned more people listened and more people learned. So a lot of our community, let's use that as an example, they're going to have to get their anger out. But then they can talk. Yeah, because part of trauma is often an anger response because the brain literally, I'm going to use a strange word, but the brain is just irritated because it doesn't have enough neurotransmitters, and we call it in my field, we say hyper-irritability. That's the person you say, good morning, how are you doing? And the person goes, morning, what's good about it? That's hyper-irritability. And that's tough. That's tough for family members to deal with if someone is going through that phase. Is there anything you want to say to those people who are family members and married to warfighters? Two things. One, anger is how we cry. Don't forget that. Anger is Mm -hmm. how we cry. Mm. And, And two, remember that you are the observer. You are observing someone who's hurt. You are not the one that is hurt. So don't take it on to yourself. Be a good listener. Identify the themes the person is talking about. But be a good listener by being a good observer. And remember that anger is how we cry. That's very powerful. I've never heard that before, Boone. I'm going to write that down. I want everybody else to write it down and remember that. Because if anger is how you cry and people understand it, it changes everything. Now, Boone, you yourself were wounded. Talk about that, and then secondary to the wound, you developed an illness because you've really been on your own journey. Yeah, and I always say I never refer to myself as as wounded because I haven't received the, um, the I haven't received my purple heart. So I always say I've been injured, so nobody later claims I'm claiming something that's that's not rightfully mine. So, uh, yes, I was I was injured in an explosion in Iraq, and uh, I was injured there in August, I believe. Uh, I got there in April, injured in August, stayed my tour, finished my tour. Uh, I wasn't, you know, chewed up. I, I experienced uh, the concussion from a blast wave, and at that time, blast wave injuries, we didn't know about them. I had no helmet on. I didn't have any gear. I was on the base when it occurred. And uh, so a mortar round landed approximately 15 feet from me. I 
thought I was unscathed. I got phased pretty good. Everything went white. And um, and I thought I had died, to be honest with you. That's the only way I could describe it. And it wasn't anything like you see anywhere else. It's it's literally about as quickly as just walking through a doorway. Hmm. And I, I, I was gone. And then I came back. And uh, I came back with a new brain. But at the time, I didn't know that because, you know, you see different things. And, and a lot of people, they get... I don't know what I don't know what it was. It was the direct. There's there's a lot of reasons, but I wasn't I wasn't chewed up. I wasn't bleeding from the gut. I wasn't missing uh-huh. half my head, and so I just drove on. I just drove on, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't because I was brave or strong or anything like that. It was because I didn't want to be away from my team. Ah uh, yes I, yes. And that's I safety, didn't right. Yeah, and so you, you don't want to be away from your team, and. It, because the worst thing that could ever happen is getting medevaced out when you didn't need to get medevaced out, and because you weren't there, one of them got hurt. And mm-hmm. that's that was something I could never live with. And truly, I didn't think I didn't think I was hurt. I mean, I had a headache. I had I'd had concussions in the past, so I figured, okay, it'll just be like that. But it wasn't like that. I was having tremendous problems with my memory. It didn't go away. Uh, problems with balance. I actually got injured again a couple weeks after that during a raid because my balance had been affected from the first injury. And a lot of guys have multiple traumatic brain injuries in country because they keep fighting after the first one, and then it causes other injuries. Other right. injuries. It's like afterwards. football players on the field taking hit after hit. Same deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same deal. Same deal. So later on, I learned a lot about blast wave injuries. They medevaced me out of Iraq uh, in I think it was March, and so I went from there and I went to Walter Reed, and I had been I thought I had been hurt more from a fall than the blast. And I had been at Walter Reed for, I was there for two years total. But after the first year, they sent me to a polytrauma unit in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. And it was there where a guy was was going over stuff with me. And because it didn't make sense, the injury that I had, the symptoms that I had, they're like, this couldn't happen from a fall. And this is the thing. They kept saying, were you in an IED blast? And I kept saying no, because I wasn't. And I was I even called my team and said, Hey, did we get did, did we get the truck blown up? And they're like, No. In front of us, behind us, but not us. And just different patrols that were going out. Oh, so nobody really was processing the fact that it was the wave from the Nobody ever asked me about any other type of explosion. Right. And right. so when so because of the traumatic brain injury, you can't make the associations between things. So if someone is saying, Were you injured in an IED blast? Logically, the normal brain would go, "Hey, that's the same." They're asking me, "Did I was I injured in an explosion?" Right, because the brain loses that capacity when you're injured, so you couldn't even describe what had happened. Oh, no! It took me over. It took me over a year for them. After all, after you know, they're looking at my studies. They're looking at everything else. They're just like, "No, this did not happen from a fall. I thought it happened from the from the fall that I had a couple weeks after the explosion." So this was this was crazy. This was really nuts, and so. Then when a guy asked me, and this was the question, the question, he's sitting there in my room, it's dark because I can't be around light, and he says, let's go over this one more time. And he had brought me in a cup of coffee that morning because we were trying everything under the world to help with headaches, and, and I was on all this medication, which is crazy. And he said, let's go over this one more time. Were you in an IED explosion? And I said, no. And then he said, okay, how about grenades? We were running grenades. And he started asking me specific questions. And I said, I said, yeah, I got threw a grenade at me one time. And he says, 
did, where did it blow up? I said it was outside the vehicle. I had on a helmet. Uh, it, I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, it was exciting, but not really not a big deal. And uh, kept going. He goes, okay, what about mortar attacks? Were you in any mortar attacks? And I go, oh, yeah, plenty of those. And he says, well, did any of them get close? Right. Wow. And so you I had said, to have the specific yeah, question so you could concretely give an answer. So what happened after that? Were they able to give you a treatment that was helpful? No, not at all. It sucked. Oh. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just, I'm, but I'm being honest. I'm being straightforward. Oh, yeah, be uh, honest. So that's, that's it was, exactly it was, it was why. It was horrible. It was yeah. horrible. I think the occupational uh, rehabilitation I got was horrible. I think the, the the blanket of the diagnosis and being nonspecific to understanding where my particular deficits were going to be was insufficient. And then um, from that, you also developed early onset Parkinson's disease because yeah, of the blast injury. So you had yeah. multiple injuries, which is what happens to a lot of our war fighters. And what you're saying, and I've heard it from a lot, a lot, a lot of veterans, that the services are inadequate, that what we offer is inadequate, whether it's for the person who's coming home or for those who are already at home wanting to figure out how to help. So we have a lot of work to do. If you were to name maybe just one or two things that you wish would change based on the experience you had, which was not good, what do you think we need to change in terms of taking care of our warfighters? I, I think the two areas that, that the assistance is needed is one is in medical. Obviously, the Veterans Administration needs to get squared away. But also, that would be manageable if we didn't have such this uphill, uphill climb in just in our daily life in the civilian world. Because all the stuff I just told you, again, I spent two years in the hospital. That is, and that was just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then when you come out of the hospital environment, you still have a lot of problems to deal with. How are you going to get a job? Where are you going to live? You know, you're going to have some family issues. I guarantee you that. Yes. Uh, financial issues. And then you've got to figure all that out while coming back from a war and being injured and not understanding things. Let me ask you a question. Why wouldn't you kill yourself? Right. And, you know, it's funny. Somebody said, I don't know who this quote is from. You probably know, Boone, said that we spend – something like a trillion dollars to send women and men to war and not even a fraction of that to help them when they come home. Yeah, I don't know who said that, but I guarantee you we've all thought it. It's uh, and, and you know what? I'm not really looking for people. I think it would just be better again. I, I, a lot of folks want to put this, okay, it's on money, it's on the government. No, I don't think it is. I think it's on people. I think it's on the guy that you know that's down at the local hardware store. I think it's a, you know that lady working at McDonald's, that, that cop that's behind you getting ready to pull you over. It's on them. It's understanding that as a culture, as a culture, again, I use the term warfighter because you know what? Yeah, we might be Marines. We might be soldiers. We might be sailors or airmen. But right. we're, we're warfighters. I want the identity right. You know, we're going to get yeah. the identity that's right. That's important. But here's the other thing. Let me just – I'm going to challenge you on that. Go for it. The way that I look at this is the government created some of these issues, and we do have to look to the government to straighten some of it out. Part of it would be a great campaign to educate the general public, like the cop, like the person at McDonald's, like the person at the hardware store, so people know 
what to do, yeah. what to say, I think that's where the and money wrap their go. heads around around these issues. Go ahead. Right. I think that's exactly where the money should go because I'm telling you right now, I'm one guy. I'm the only guy here out, out here doing this, and it's a lot of work. So um, it yeah, is a lot. I, I, think I it's totally a lot of work. agree with you, and I'm thrilled that you're doing the work. And I'm going to play on your team and put the word out to our community that we do need to make these changes and to understand some of these basic truths. Now, tell us the name of your book again, because I want people to pick up the book. I also want people to know they can tune in to Tipping Point with Boone Cutler weekly for the Warfighter Perspective. So please, either you're part of the problem or you're part of the solution, Make a choice, everybody. We can all be part of the solution, and part of it is getting educated. Now, I've got to ask you this, Boone. I oh, know that you interviewed Donald Trump. What I've interviewed, uh, yeah, Donald Trump, Bobby Jindal, uh, like about four or five of different presidential candidates. But all right. ask me what? about Trump. He's the one everybody's interested in, I know. So go ahead, hit me. Yeah, yeah. Tell us what you thought. What did you think of him? Well, I got one of his first interviews uh, okay. when, he, when he got out on the campaign trail. He was in Iowa. And he, for me, for me, it was the humblest I've ever heard him, humblest I've ever seen him. Oh, interesting. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll send you the tape. I'll send you the, the clip on it. But he was very, very humble with me. And he was um, – Well, that doesn't sound like the Donald we all know. <laughs> no, not at all. Not a, not yeah, I've done television shows with him, too. I was working in New York on, um, let's see, I was on the Today Show, and he came into the studio while we were getting into hair and makeup, and he leaned over to the mirror, and he started fluffing up his hair, and he looked at me, and he said, how does my hair look? Well, what could I possibly say? What do say? you say? Yeah. What could I say? I said, well, if you're happy with it. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow. I'm going to remember that one. It's like, that's, don't that's ask me about, about your hair. That's, that's a good cop out. I got a better one for you. This is, funny. This is some love stuff, me and my wife. We, we joke around all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, we're doing something in the bedroom. And I did something. I was pretty and you're not going to tell us about, about it, right? <laughs> no, no, not that kind of bedroom stuff. I was folding something, actually. And... Uh, Anyway, and I was because I'm a I'm a freak about figuring out uh, you know how to do things procedurally the most effective way. I'm OCD about it, crazy about it. And right. so I, I was doing this stuff, and I go, look at that! You didn't even notice what I just did. You know, I'm being I'm being a smart Alex. And and she looks back at me and she says, Well, you do so many amazing things consistently that it's just normal to me." Oh, what a lovely thing for her to say. You've got a great wife. I'm giving her a right now. That's a lovely thing to say. Now, the Donald with the hair, I don't know, but what did you think about his answers to your questions? I thought he had good answers to the questions. He did. Okay. Kinda, he he punked he punked out on one or two. He kind of uh, he did the you know like they do. They don't really answer your question. They just put right. what they want to say. And right. so he gave me that. He, and he they've all been coached, which you which you know very very well. So well, that's interesting. I'm I'm well. I hear I'm happy to hear you got he just some came humility. <laughs> he did, and he just came out this last week, and it was a faux pas in our community with a lot of people, but a lot of people let him get away with it. When he said going to military, I was the first one to bring up military school with him. That all came from my show. Now, he's kind of taken it a little bit a little bit far here with like military service. However, 
if you listen to the meaning about what he talked about on my show, he said, you know, that these, these drill instructors, these drill instructors, the instructors he had in mil- the military academy, he, that's when he was very humble. I mean, psychologically, you can look at it. He was being very reflective because I hit him with something nobody ever hit him with. And he was very reflective, and he was very, very humble about the folks that trained him in the military school who were prior service, who were combat veterans, many of them. And he even went so far to say, and here's the humility, he's not sure if he would have ever been as successful as he is had he not gone through that experience. Yeah, yeah, I understand that because, look, you can come out and have skills you didn't go in with, and your wife is proof of that because she said you do amazing things <laughs> like folding things, right? So, I Boone, you get the blanket. last word. What do you want to leave us with tonight? You know, I just want to leave us with this. Talk to the warfighter community out there. You know who you are. You know who you are. And the bottom line is you've got to look up something called the Spartan Pledge. Take the Spartan Pledge. Remember, we all need a battle buddy and a mission 24-7. You stay tight with the battle buddy. Don't isolate yourself. And if you don't have a mission in front of you, why aren't you doing something? You've got to get a mission in front of you. Keep moving. That's how we're built. Uh, to, to the rest of America, oh, the other thing to the community, you know, get off the dope. Learn how to cope. That's very, very important. And get the rest off of America, the dope and learn how to cope. Okay, now the rest of America, what do we need to do? rest of America, you know, open up your ears, open up your eyes, pay attention to my show, Tipping Point with Boone Cutler. Find me, read the stuff I talk about. If you want to challenge me, hey, that's fine, no problem. Let's talk about it. Let's have a good conversation. Let's not be rude about it. And also learn us. Learn us. Because it's not the government's problem to fix us. We're not a government problem. We're Americans just like you. And we want you to learn us. It might be a little bit difficult, but we're not what you see in movies. Great. Thank you so much, Boone Cutler, for taking the time to join us on Modern Love Radio because one of the biggest challenges in modern life is finding a way to love when you have an invisible injury. And that's what PTS is. It's as real as an injury you can see. We just can't show it to you as a rule in any sort of x-ray or any sort of test. So be aware we have our warfighters coming home and we do have an obligation to do our best to help these women and men as they're returning. All right, Boone, many blessings and a big thank you to you. I also want to thank our producer, LeGrand Green. Thank you to our associate producer, Cliff Dunning. And thank you to our producer who's stepping in tonight, Phil Kwong. Thank you so much for pinch hitting and carrying the ball and to all of our modern love listeners lots of love many blessings to all of you good night Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.